0: Let me ask you this. What
1: in the wide, wide world of
0: sports is going on in Sports Central? Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. This is Sports Central from the studios of WGN Radio streaming. Streaming for you, uh, for your heart's content. Uh, We have... 60 minutes of rock'em, sock'em, good fun, planned for you. It's Wendy and Bill, bid us adieu. You can catch them tomorrow at 10 on 720. Hi, I'm Harry Tynowitz. Um, uh, the role of Adam Hogue, uh, the role normally played by Adam Hogue will be played by Harry today. Yes, that's true. I'm Harry Tynowitz, and, um, uh, you guys know me from my work on, um, oh, let's see, uh, The Brady Bunch, and As the World Turns and um, uh, all the James Bond movies. And you can hear me and Carm every Saturday doing um, White Sox Weekly, which is a weekly show about the White Sox. We will talk a lot about the uh, Cubs, the Sox, and tonight's big game. Unfortunately, Lola will not be there, but the NCAA Basketball Championship game is tonight. Uh, it's in San Antonio, Texas, and it'll be the Michigan Wolverines and uh, John Beeline going up against Jay Wright's Villanova. Wildcats, and the game will feature two Illinois, two, let's just say it, Chicago area studs um, going head-to-head in the um, uh, championship contest, and it'd be great. Man, when I was a kid, these these guys used to play um, uh, you know, for the University of Illinois. Now they go away to school, but what are you going to do about it? But I'm looking forward to it as uh, Matthews and Brunson will go up against each other. Matthews played for... Um, uh, he played for Saint Rita. That's uh, Charles Matthews and Jalen Brunson played for Stevenson. And Jalen Brunson's the star of uh, Villanova, and uh, Charles Matthews is one of the stars for Michigan Wolverines. So there's a big Chicago flavor tonight for the game, which will get underway uh, a little bit after eight o'clock tonight. And if you're in the military, it's a little after twenty hundred that the game will start. Also, we're going to talk baseball. Sahad of Sharma. Sahad of Sharma with The Athletic will join us in about 20 minutes to uh, talk about the uh, the way that the season started on the north side. It certainly started beautifully on the south side with the White Sox going to Kansas City, taking advantage of a, uh, a horrible injury to uh, uh, th- their best player. Uh, Sal Perez, uh, he, hurt him, he hurt himself. Carrying his luggage uh, back, uh, you know, uh, from the airport, he went up the stairs and he hurt himself. He's out four weeks. So the White Sox dominated after James Shields gave up four runs in the uh, first inning. Opening day, they came back and they scored fourteen consecutive runs, six homers. Matt Davidson had three of them. And, uh, Tim Anderson too. Oh, Jose Abreu hit one. And the Sox uh, won that game 14-7. A football score. The Bears beat the Chiefs. And then Saturday, they were trailing. They were down 3-1. to But guess what? Good teams don't stop there. They came back and Joan Mancada had a, a big hit there. And, uh, Wellington Castillo swinging. He had the green light on a 3-0 pitch. After, uh, you know, after you look at that game. You say, hey, you know, this could be a fun season. I think White Sox fans are aware they're not going to go to the playoffs this year, probably. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. But the White Sox, certainly a lot of fun. And after three games north of the border, tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday, they're all 6 7 starts. They're all right here. Andy Major's got the pregame, and then Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson have the actual game itself. Then Thursday is the home opener, and the whole station will be out uh, to make uh, the White Sox feel welcome on WGN Radio 720. So tonight is the NCAA College Basketball Championship game, and uh, for me, that means gambling. Gambling. And, um, you know, we don't advocate gambling here at WGN, but what, what the hell country are you from? So I remember back when I was, um, you know, a little kid and, uh, you know, made my first bet and my first play, there are certain games that stick out. There are certain games that stand out. There are other games that just, uh, you know, you think of them and you say, well, I didn't really win that game. I didn't lose that game. So I don't really recall what happened, but, uh, Let's go back and listen to 1981, and I'll tell you a little story here. I think you might recognize the name of the freshman guard who found himself open in the corner of the floor with the Tar Heels, his team, trailing the Hoyas late in the contest.
2: Gordy, the black. The time, 18. Jordan, 14 seconds. Look for for Sleepy Floyd. Oh, he threw it to the wrong man. He threw it to Worthy. It's over. It's over.
0: He threw it to the wrong man. So first, Michael Jordan, uh, just uh, awesome. Michael Jordan uh, takes the shot, and he makes it from the corner. And, uh, you know, Georgetown didn't didn't know what hit him. It was the... um, it was the demise of the uh, Hoyas. The uh, Hoyas were up, and uh, Dean Smith's team, which only lost two games that year, were not, loose to, to, not used to trailing anybody. But And this is the uh, 81-82 season, so it's the 82 championship, or, or as we like to think of it. And it's hard to believe it was that long ago. 32 years ago tonight, Michael Jordan in the corner uh, hits the J. And uh, the, the Hoyas now find themselves trailing. So it's... Carolina's up by one because Michael made the shot. They're up 63-62. And Eric Sleepy Floyd, who wore 21 for Georgetown, he's inbounding the ball. And they've got seconds left to get a shot. And my problem is I've got the uh North Carolina Tar Heels minus one and a half. So how are the Tar Heels going to cover the one and a half? I need like a... uh you know, like, like an offensive foul called on George, on Georgetown. And then, uh, Carolina gets the ball and they get fouled before they inbound the ball. How am I going to get a turnover and a foul shot here? Well, the impossible happens. James Worthy, who went on and had an amazing career with the Lakers, James Worthy wearing 52 back then. Of course, he was 42 in the pros, but James Worthy just simply claps his hands and steps out like behind, g- going away from the basket, goes behind the passer, Sleepy Floyd. And he goes, here. And Sleepy Floyd, unexplainably, inbounds the ball to the guy on the other team. He passes it in to James Worthy, who then gets fouled. And and nobody could believe what happened. It wasn't like they went for a shot and the guy got a rebound and got fouled. He just inbounded the ball to Worthy and Worthy got fouled. He had two free throws. They're laying one and a half. If he makes either one of them, they cover and uh, James Worthy bricked both. He bricked both. I tell you, I don't know how the hell that happened, but that happened. And um, you know, when you think about uh, championship games, you can think about it the way you want to think about it. There are great memories. For me, I'll always remember like what side I was on. I'll always remember the um, the gambling aspects of it. Okay, on to the next one. The next one was a better feel. The next one is the Jim Valvano game and Phi uh, Slamma Jamma, the Houston Cougars were the team to beat that year. They would get like 28 slam dunks in every game. And that was the team that had Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. They were terrific. Jim Valvano's North Carolina State Wolfpack, a lot of people didn't think they should be in the tournament in 83. They lost 10 games. But they they found themselves in the tournament. I'll never forget the first game they were trailing Pepperdine the pepperdine waves by the way wonderful campus if you're ever in la if hey if you're a high school senior and you're going somewhere because it's going to lead to a great education. I advocate you do that. But otherwise, you should check out Pepperdine, man. It's on the beach. It's really cool. Dennis Johnson played there. So uh, NC State's losing to Pepperdine the first game. They have a miracle finish. They come back and win. And it's kind of like the Sister Jean thing. People are like, oh, yeah, NC State had their day in the sun. We'll see what happens from this point on. But you probably won't have to worry about NC State. So this game. Uh, Houston, like I said, they were slamming the ball home the entire season long. All they did was like take, you know, shots from three inches away. They they had the highest uh, field goal percentage in years because all their shots were slam dunks. So Houston, in this game against North Carolina State, they slammed their first basket of the night and that was the only slam they would have. And they're up seven. Late in the contest, under two minutes, they're up seven and Velvano starts fouling. And Houston starts breaking the front ends of the one-on-ones. And this is like the most exciting game. And, you know, obviously, you know, we lost Jimmy V years later, and um, he remains a great inspiration to so many people. But what he did that night was inspired coaches. He inspired underdogs. He inspired players that were told, you have no shot to win this game, kind of like Michigan's being told tonight kind of like uh, John is being told tonight. This is the biggest favorite. is the biggest favorite since 2010. And uh, NC State was down late in the game. They get the ball back. They're passing it around. They're way behind the three-point line. They don't, you know, they're, they're, they're way, 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 like, uh, away from the basket. And they throw up a prayer. And let's go back and listen to 1983.
1: It's down to seven seconds. You can see the time. Wittenberg. Oh, that's
0: a long way. Oh. They won it! The dunk. And so the the state Wolfpack had Derek Wittenberg twenty-five, Sidney Lowe thirty-five, and their guards were were keeping them in the game. They also had a forward who would play in the in the NBA for a long time with the Utah Jazz, Thurl Bailey. But it was another guy, it was Lorenzo Charles who wore forty-three. Lorenzo Charles went up this like prayer of a three-quarter shot, I'd say it's about a third of the way, Um, halfway, you know, it's like, I don't know, 15 feet, 12 feet uh, towards the basket from the half-court line. This prayer of a shot is an air ball, and Lorenzo Charles goes up. And jams it down with the second left. And the time runs off the clock. And NC State has a miracle victory. The Wolfpack and Jim Belvano, they, they win that game 54-52 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And Jimmy V just starts running around the court looking for somebody to hug. He said, I was just looking for somebody to hug. We move five years ahead. Bobby Knight against Jim Beheim. They're in the Superdome. Syracuse, the Orangemen. Derek Coleman, they've got the lead on Indiana. Okay, Steve Alford, you guys might have heard of him. Steve Alford now coaching at Ucla. He's seven for seven in this game, all threes. Seven for seven for three pointers. Boy, and you know the hard part was he wasn't even playing against the Bill Self defense. Here's an idea, Bill Self. Change your defense. If the other team is making 107 three-pointers, maybe change your defense. No, no, I want to just keep it the way it is because they're bound to start missing. Okay, good call, Bill Self. So, Alfred's 7 for 7 on three-pointers. The whole world is expecting Steve Alfred to get the ball. And there's seconds left. The Orange are up by one. But here come the Hoosiers. Smart takes the shot. And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead nobody stopped the clock and keith smart not steve alford keith smart is the guy that knocked down the game winner and indiana had the victory indiana won that game 74 73 so many of these games are blowouts like the uh you know atark the shark his unlv uh his unlv team of 1990 that featured um grandmama and plastic man two great nicknames I mean right there that's the key to a championship team don't you think Ben is having two great nicknames so Larry Johnson Grandmama, and Stacy Augmon Plastic Man they uh, blew out Duke they beat him 103 to 73 there are so many of these games the um you know uh, Kentucky's had blowouts in this game Utah Rick Majerus I wanted to, uh, that was a bad night for me when i decided to take the Utah Utes but um, I had Utah the year that they lost by like 30 points. Uh, it felt like 30. They end up losing by nine. But trust me, it was never that close in the game. Uh, this was a game. This was a game that was pretty fun. This is the uh, Butler Bulldogs, who, who nobody thought would be in the Final Four, going up against the monstrosity known as the Duke Blue Devils. This is the team that featured John Shire. You know, Glencoe's own John Shire, and it's 2010. Gordon Hayward's got the basketball, and here he comes uh, across the timeline with one chance to to take it all. I mean, this is this is uh, you know this is the uh, Jack and the Giant. This is the um, uh, you know uh, the, the crazy. How could this ever happen that Butler could beat Duke? But here it is. Here's Gordon Hayward getting the ball and throwing up the shot for all the marbles. It's
1: Hayward pulling it down, getting around, Zubak at midcourt, launches the shot, oh, and almost went in, almost went in, and
2: Duke
0: is the king of the dance, 2010. Okay, so look, so Butler, Butler technically lost that game, but I will always think of that game as Butler winning, because they covered the point spread. See, and I think that's what happens a lot is you have like memories, and you're like, Butler, they, they won a, they won a national championship. No, what are you talking about? They never won a national championship. Yeah, Gordon Hayward took the shot from half court. Yeah, it didn't go in. Yeah, but they covered. They covered. They won. They won the national championship. That's all you gotta remember about it is that's the game. So here we have tonight, Villanova, Jay Wright, who's the best-dressed coach in all of college basketball, going up against John Beeline, a guy who was at West Virginia forever. And John Beeline came north. He came to the University of Michigan after Tommy Amaker had imploded the program. Tommy Amaker now doing a really nice job um, over with Harvard. And he was a Coach K guy, obviously. He played uh, guard for Coach K's Blue Devils. So you've got uh, John Beeline... And the um, Michigan Wolverines, who did a very, you know, they had a great season. They did a very, very solid job in the tournament. They won the Big Ten tournament. And, and now I wonder if people will say, well, they had an advantage because they got an extra week off because we we know that the Big Ten wanted to play in Madison Square Garden this year, so that's where they held their tournament. And the only way they could get it, because the Big East is locked in there for a million years, is to play their tournament a week before everybody else did. So, like, while UIC and the Horizon League were playing their tournament, and that's usually reserved, and no shot against UIC, because I'm, I'm a big believer in schools like UIC and Loyola, uh, but but the Big Ten would normally play... The week right before the uh, the tournament would start, they would normally have their championship game on that final Sunday, you know when the SEC played their championship game, but they didn't They played a week earlier, and Michigan was solid, and Michigan won that tournament and uh, you know they're they're looking real good. The Michigan Wolverines are looking real good, but Villanova is who everybody 's taking. I mean all the experts are taking Villanova and our own expert. Kevin Powell, KP was at the Final Four. He's going to join us live in the studio in about 20 minutes. For some reason, our clock is racing backwards now. It's like a Twilight Zone. I've, I don't know how this happened, but the clock is going back. Oh, I wonder if I could get younger and I could, uh, not drive home that night from the Blackhawks game. Oh, now, now it stopped. So KP will be with us in, in about, uh, in about 23 minutes, but, uh, it's, it's like a foregone conclusion to a lot of people that Villanova is going to win this game. I mean, they've got a terrific team. Jalen Brunson is the player of the year. They've got their other guard, Bridges, is, you know, a fantastic player. Everybody on their team averages double digits. And then you got Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, who's a terrific player who had a horrible, horrible game against Loyola. They didn't make any three-pointers. I mean, really, looking back at it for Loyola, Michigan... Never turns the ball over. They're second in the country for the, uh, turning the ball over. They've, they have the second fewest turnovers of any team in the country and they kept turning the ball over time and time again in the first half. Michigan is awesome from the three point land and they could not make any three pointers on Saturday night. And then Michigan you know, rarely gets into foul trouble. And they were picking up a lot of fouls. I really thought that this game uh, that was played Saturday, Loyola, and they were up, they were up about 12, but I, I thought that Loyola should have been up about 18 in the second half of that game. It, you know, if, if somebody had said, hey, would you like, you know, would you settle for Loyola being up seven at half? Of course, just take that. Of course I would take that. They're an 11 seed going up against Michigan, a three seed, of course I would take that. But the way that Michigan played Loyola should have been up by like 18 points going into that second half. And really it was like one injury and then like one like five, six minute period where they kept turning the ball over. They turned it over on five straight possessions and that is not good. So we are about uh, seven hours from game time, which means we're about nine hours and 20 minutes away from the song, the song that, you know, that they go out with every year and i thought after the first loyola game when they beat miami i thought that that's the, that we'd have one moment of loyola in the song i thought we would have sister jean you know for a brief second and and we would see dante's three going in which should have been a four uh, but you're going to see a lot of Loyola tonight when they play One Shining Moment. We're going to step away for just a second. In for Adam Hogue, I'm Harry, and we are on uh, Sports Central. How cool is that? Streaming to you, dot com. of Sharma from The Athletic. Uh, we're going to talk Little Cubs, Little White Sox, Major League Baseball, and then Kevin Powell will be in the studio with us late to go over uh, his thoughts of being down in San Antonio. Um We'll, we'll go out here... Uh, We'll be right back in two and a half minutes, but let's hear a little of the song. Wet their appetites for tonight, Ben. Hey,
2: the ball is ticked, and there you are.
1: You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows. WGN, WGN. This is
2: where WGN Sports Central lives. It's alive. Streaming right now with your host, Adam Hogue.
0: Today, the role normally played by Adam Hogue is being played by Harry Tyno. which sort of... Uh half as good as Adam Hogue. Uh, this is Sports Central with you every day from 1 to 2. Usually you find Adam Hogue sitting in this chair, but today it's me, which means I get to bring on one of the coolest baseball guys there is. He knows everything. Uh, he can tell you like he can tell you, what Tommy Lastella had for breakfast this morning. From The Athletic, <laughs> it is Sahadev Sharma. Sahadev, what did Mr. Lastella enjoy for breakfast this morning?
2: Uh, I believe it was uh, some grits and uh some eggs and sausage that's that's what i i I believe i
0: saw that is unbelievable (laughs) that is a great great info inside info so uh the you know for the cubs they're playing the marlins these are not you know last year's marlins there's no john carlos stanton there's no um yelich there's no osuna you know you kind of thought hey how great would it be for the Cubs to go in and get a four-game sweep in Miami? But boy, they, um, you know, not for lack of effort by the bullpen, but but the Cubs come home 2-0. So if I asked you, what did you learn from opening weekend, how would you respond?
2: Yeah, I, that it's not, nothing comes easy in this game, and that you better be up and prepared for whoever the opponent is, because they're all big leaguers. I, I got to say, I was a little surprised by the Marlins. Uh, they They did not go down easily. They, you know... These guys are big leaguers. We all know that. But the Cubs are supposed to be the better team, clearly. They're a World Series contender. The Marlins are going to be competing for the number one pick. So to come back to and two was a little surprising, yes. But it's also one series. It's also the beginning of the year. You're, uh, you, can, you can list off the excuses, if you want to call them that. Uh, but it, it takes a little energy to get up for certain teams. And I do wonder... How hard it is to open a season in a ballpark that's pretty much empty uh, against a bunch of players you don't really know. So that that shouldn't be the case. You'd prefer that they're constantly highly motivated and ready to go, and, and that there's no they constantly have that edge that you need to to take on whatever opponent, whoever the opponent is. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it was a lack of motivation, uh, but it, there was definitely something missing. And, and I was surprised at how hard the the Marlins are to strike out. Those guys were putting everything in play. Every single time they got two strikes on them, they were fouling it off, fighting off pitches. And they were really pushing those pitch counts up, and that's, I mean, that was part of the issue with uh, with why they had to go to the bullpen so early. And, of course, you had in a 17-inning game, and that doesn't help. So it, the Cubs, are, yeah, I, I expect the Cubs to be much better. Joe was pretty adamant again today that he liked the way the offense looked yesterday. And I know Joe, Joe's accused of spinning things positively, but go, go watch those first five, six innings. Maybe the latter innings, they, they didn't perform as well as they should have, but early on, they were crushing the ball. Uh, even that there were a lot was falling, not enough where it was when there were men on base, but there were some line drives hit right at guys and Lewis Brinson. I mean, that guy covers so much ground yeah. in center
0: field. He's, he's gonna be good. And that's the guy, that was the key piece they got back in the uh, trade with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, a uh, stadium I was a little underwhelmed by my visit there. Sahad of Sharma writes uh, for the Athletic. He covers the Cubs, knows all things baseball. So I would say that there were two, um, even though, even though, um, Quintana did not, you know, finish the game strong, he was like grooving. I'm, I'm more worried about, um, uh, You Darvish, uh, you know, Lester, I don't think we need to worry about him. He'll throw the occasional, you know, off game. But what do we make off of you Darvish um, not doing so strongly in his club debut?
2: You know, this is a guy that does occasionally have trouble with his fastball command. Uh, As long as he's healthy, I would have zero concern with him. I think he's going to get in the groove. I think he's going to have a few dominant months at minimum. Uh, I think this guy's going to have a really strong season. I think the fastball command was just not there. The slider, was, there'd be some sliders he broke off. you would say, yep, that looked like the guy in spring training that you know nobody could hit. And then there would be times when he couldn't find the zone with the slider. He couldn't put it anywhere where he wanted it to. So it's a, it was a mixed bag, that his first start. Definitely disappointing when you come off a big uh, a big spring and you come off uh, a big signing a big contract. I, I, I honestly I, I kind of disagree. I'm a little concerned with Lester just because of the velocity. If the the velocity was down last year and he struggled, it's down two ticks again uh, this year. If that's going to be consistent, that's a big issue. I, I also know that, and I agree with you. What you the the second part of what you said about Lester is that he's done it before. He's had these stinker starts before, and he always bounces back, almost always as he come back, even last year. He was, he was solid in the playoffs. You know, it, It's not as if this guy doesn't know how to work with lesser stuff. So I just want to see a little bit more velocity, and then I'll be comfortable with Lester because I know there, there's nobody that's tougher on the mound. There's nobody that's going to go out there and give it his all more than Lester. That guy will go out there and work his butt off for you and give everything that he has with what he has.
0: Okay, I'm with you. I remember like they had that that Pirates had that ten run first last year, and and uh, sure. that was you know Lester looking awful. Then he came back and he was good after that. You mentioned how the Marlins were hard to strike out. That really wasn't the case with the Cub hitters, was it? No,
2: you know there there were some issues, especially in the first game, the first three games. Uh, you know they were averaging about ten strikeouts a game. Not awful, not good. Uh, it, it's something that needs to be corrected. I believe they struck out five times yesterday. Two were by Quintana, and you know that that looked better. Yesterday looked better. I will say maybe, like I said, the results weren't there. You score zero runs against the, against a the pitcher whose uh, first name I've already forgotten. Uh, there's uh, Peter Peters. Not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, that's not that's, that's not acceptable but I, I liked the way the offense looked. Uh, that's how you want it to look more often than not. And things, good things will happen. So if they can continue on that and then, and, you know, come up with the clutch hits, I think that's the bigger thing. Uh, Rizzo popped up with uh, uh with a man on third, less than two outs. And then all of his other three at bats were much better. Uh, who was it? Hobby uh, laid down a bunt with a man on third, less than two outs. And that, that's, that can't happen Those these, uh, with the pitcher coming up next. These are things that just can't happen and, and they have to be better at getting runners in from dirt less than two outs. Situational hitting. These are things that we talked about all off season, not just uh, you and me, Harry, but, but the, uh, everybody in the front office, all the coaches, uh, Joe Madden, These guys know what they need to do. They know their flaws and they need to correct them. They brought in Chili Davis specifically for this, this issue. Uh, I, I think you know, I'm not. It's four games, so you don't want to jump, go crazy over it. But it was, it's been an issue in the past. It, they were the worst in 2015, getting runners in from third less than two outs, pretty bad last year. Again, they were okay, middle of the pack in 2016, and we all know what happened that year. That that's good enough. If you're middle of the pack, that's fine, especially if you have the big boppers and everything doing their job. So just just be average. Don't be terrible. That's all I'm asking in, in that department.
0: Uh, right. It's, it's not a lot to ask. You know, not a lot to ask. Will there ever be? A, you know, I, I like Ian Happ a lot. I, you know, I don't know why he didn't play more in the uh, you know playoffs last season. And I also love you know Alberto Amora. You know, Albert Omar Jr. from uh, the Miami area, is there ever a scenario, do you see in this season where Hayward will just become like the fourth outfielder, get used in, you know, put Zobrist in there, you know, maybe, maybe Hayward's the fifth outfielder. Do you ever see a scenario where Hayward is not constantly going to be starting two out of every three games and maybe they just bring him in late in games as a defensive replacement or will he always be in that lineup like two out of every three games?
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think there's definitely a scenario where that happens. I'll tell you this though, if he keeps playing like he did that first series, it's not gonna happen because he looked, he was one of, you know, I mean, who were the guys that looked good this series? It was Bryant, it was Russell. And it was uh and it was uh, Schwarber, right? Those yeah, guys look yeah. great offensively. I'd put Hayward right behind them, as far, uh, probably ahead of everyone else, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. He's a, he's ahead of guys. He looked better than Rizzo at the plate. He looked better uh, than Wilson Contreras at the plate. Ian half hit a first pitch home run, and I don't think he has a hit since in a maybe eight or nine strikeouts. So, so uh, not that, that's not a knock on any of those guys. I, I believe this team is going to score a lot of runs and be a fearsome offense. Uh, but if, if Hayward, he, he gets criticized a lot for his swing. Go look at his best seasons; how that swing looked. It wasn't pretty. I, I, I talked to <laughs> dozens of scouts who tear apart his his best swing. It's not a good scout looking swing. You don't wanna you don't wanna teach that swing to any kids. But sometimes it works. He's athletic enough, and when the timing is right, it can work, and he can get hot. So I don't know if he just needs to be in a better headspace, uh, get his confidence back, but a, a good start can mean good things for Jason Hayward. Uh, again, it's four games. I, I'm not willing to, to say that he's back by any means. He looked a lot better. I saw some hard hit balls. I saw some balls fall. And that's the biggest thing, I think, for confidence, the balls falling. Uh, but you're right. If, if he struggles, if he's the Jason Hayward on offense that we saw the past two years, I think by, I think he gets a longer leash because of who he is. Uh, the type of work he puts in, how good he is at everything else that he does, and the type of leader that he is off the field. I think he'll get a longer leash than most other players would. But, yeah, by June, if he's hitting 200 and and not walking and and not providing much on offense, then sure, yeah, I think you have other options and really high-quality options you're going to have to sit him at, at, at some point.
0: Uh, just another moment here with Sahadev Sharma. He is with The Athletic. Boy, if you're not reading The Athletic, you're missing out on a lot of stories. You can go online and find The Athletic. It gives John Greenberg something to do every morning. So uh, tonight we have the Cubs debut of Tyler Chatwood wearing Sammy Sosa's jersey number. I know the dude had a, uh, you know, rocky time when he was at home with the Rockies, but he was pretty good on the road. So what can Cub fans expect from Tyler Chatwood?
2: Yeah, the two things you want to look for if it's working are his curveball and his change up. He's got a he's, the curveball. He struggled to use it in Colorado. Uh, it just didn't move the way he wanted it to move when he was at Coors Field. Uh, that I think that kind of threw him off more than anything, and it and it lingered into other starts as well because you have to throw it differently to make it uh, go one way and. and Coors Field, and then then you go on the road, and you have to you change your arm angle, your arm slot, and all of a sudden, you're throwing a pitch differently, and it's working differently. There's no consistency. You, you don't know what to expect, and it messes with your head. I think uh, this is a guy that has some pretty nasty stuff, and he hasn't gotten the results that he's wanted uh, during his time in Colorado. So I'm really curious to see how the Cubs, who will prepare as well as any team, have a great pitching infrastructure with Tommy Hadovy and Mike Burzello and a new pitching coach, Jim Hickey. Uh, I think these guys are going to have him well-prepared and ready to face this team. I'm really curious to see how it works. A, a curveball, a fastball that can sit in the mid-90s. Uh, we talk a lot about spin rates today in baseball, and he, he's got elite spin rates. With his, uh, forcing fastball and with his curveball. And these are the type of guys that, you know, these forward thinking front offices can get a lot out of, uh, coaching staffs and front offices like the Cubs can, can get a lot out of. Think Charlie Morton with the Houston Astros. That's, that's a good scenario here. A guy that uh, kind of came out of nowhere last year and, and then blew some people away at, in the playoffs too. So, uh, I think that's, that's what you, you want. Best case scenario type of thing with Tyler Chatwood. Maybe a few more innings than what Charlie Morton was eating last year, but I think, uh, that's, that's the upside with Tyler Chatwood. You just want to see some command and you want to see, uh, some, uh, missing bats.
0: I, I like the Charlie Morton comparison. I'll take that. And a good thing the Astros got Garrett Cole. They really needed help with their starting rotation.
2: <laughs> right. That, that and, seems and all of fair. a sudden, he's the guy's matching career highs and strikeouts. So there's something that they've they figured something out in that department, too. That, that's a, I mean, that's a guy with all the talent in the world in Garrett Cole. And a Pirates team that gets a lot of credit for working with pitchers just couldn't maximize that talent. And now... Now look at Cole looking like his best self in his first start with the Astros. That was impressive.
0: Hey, I had a buddy who got married in Cincinnati about 12 years ago for some reason, and we got to go to the Great American Ballpark. And, you know, this is where you know the the home opener went. You know, the, the mm-hmm. baseball used to always start the opening day in Cincinnati and the oldest franchise and, you know, Marge Schott, uh, the oldest owner. I, I used to think Marge Schott was such a hypocrite because her players couldn't have facial hair. Yet she could, Um, (laughs) but I wasn't impressed by the great American ballpark other than the, uh, you know, that mosaic inside of the, um, uh, the great Reds teams of the seventies. The, you know, the, the, the the park just kind of left me whining. What, What are your thoughts on that park?
2: Yeah, no, I, I actually really agree with you. That the, what I like are the statues and all the the, the history of. I, I love seeing you know great teams represented. So so seeing all those statues, Joe Morgan, you know Johnny Bench, that that's fun. That I, I like seeing that and and honoring those types of players. But uh, yeah, the ballpark leaves me a, a little underwhelmed. Uh, I'd probably rank it last in the division. Uh, and I'm and this is someone I'm, I'm not a big fan of Miller Park either, but. Uh, yeah, this, there's just something missing. PNC just brings so much. You, you have the city behind it, nice, the bridges. Everything just looks, you, you you kind of focus on everything great about the city. Wrigley Field, you know, we, we all love that ballpark for so many reasons, and, and they're making it even better, updating it without taking away the charm uh, it's not as good as for a newer ballpark. You you wish they would have done a better job, but hey, not not everything is perfect. And I know we uh, there, there's I mean, I, I don't like the new ballpark in Atlanta, and that was just built, so. Uh, it, it's hit or miss, I guess, and then we all have our different tastes. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's it, people are too big of fans of this ballpark. All
0: right. Well, Sahad, if we really enjoy your uh, company, thank you very much for giving us some time today. And uh, have a wonderful broadcast. Hopefully the uh, the infia won't be brought in uh, with one out again, uh, but uh, we won't get into that. It's really early to be, uh, you know, criticizing the best manager in all of baseball. Uh, but uh, thank you for coming on, and we will be uh, checking you out in The Athletic.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Harry. Oh,
0: my my pleasure. And uh, it is Harry in for Adam Hogue. Uh, Adam will be uh, doing post game tonight for the uh, Sox and the Blue Jays. The White Sox are north of the border in Toronto tonight. Tomorrow. And Wednesday. They have 607 starts. Andy majors has got your pregame. And then your postgame, it's going to be an Adam Holger. It's going to be a Mark Carmen, who's at, at the Carm. The guy I really would like you to follow him on Twitter, at the Carm. And then Thursday is the home opener, the White Sox and the Detroit Tigers, 3 o'clock start. And the whole station's going to be out there on Thursday. So you guys got to come out starting uh, 10 a.m. Uh, Cork and Kerry, they'll be, uh, you know, uh, popping the first uh, cold. Goose Island. So be a part of it all, won't you? Hey, Kevin Powell, star of the uh, Rokan show. Kevin Powell was in San Antonio for the Final Four. He will be with us when we return in just moments on Sports Central on the stream, baby, wgmradio.com. This would be the coolest uh, rock and roll song that mentions the great city of San Antonio, Texas. So we thank the Doobie Brothers for delivering it for us all those years ago. I wonder if they knew when they wrote it that we would be using it on the stream. To bring in Kevin Powell, who was in San Antonio this weekend to see the run of the Rambler come to a ceasing halt. Kevin Powell is with us. KP, what up, dog?
1: I am great. I was sitting out in the lobby waiting to come on with you, and I was reading through David Haw's column about uh, his covering of Loyola and his sentiments Mm -hmm. towards the Mm -hmm. team. And he said, look, reporters, they try to find angles, a million different angles. Sometimes you're writing as strictly as a reporter. Sometimes you're giving your perspective, your opinion, your thoughts. It's a kind of a different angle each time. And he basically says in his column that he genuinely felt upset for this team. And I couldn't agree more. We were standing outside. First of all, I was court side as these guys were walking off the ramblers following their loss to michigan and it's ben richardson and Clayton custer richardson is tearing up and custer has his arm around him yeah. and those two are walking off down into the tunnel after playing
0: they're teammates forever
1: forever and i just felt i felt awful for him and i was state, we were all you know crowded the media's crowded around their locker room waiting for us to, to get in there and talk to the guys and uh, look I haven't been doing this nearly as long as David Hall I've only been doing re- reporting for a handful of years now and you do separate I can't you, tell And I look like I'm 12 for anybody who doesn't know what I look like um, uh, you know you separate emotion from your responsibilities as a reporter but I, I was generally I had like goosebumps and nerves waiting for it all the whole journey because you're reflecting as you're waiting we're standing there for 20 minutes or so and you're looking back on it all and I'm like that was that was awesome what a great what a great ride and it did sting a little bit though, knowing that they could be playing tonight with a double digit lead late in that game
0: you know um I as a fan, I was at the uh, I've gone to a couple uh, you know for work, but as a fan, I went to the uh final four that Kim Noah and Florida won in Indianapolis kay. when George Mason was an eleven seed who qualified and in that uh, first game that George Mason played, they got blown off the court yeah i mean they they were never in it right. Loyola played their game. Mm-hmm. Loyola had a seven-point lead at the half.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they I mean, had t- what ten, twelve-point lead 12 with point about ten lead, minutes ago right? or so.
0: And and then they had that one, you know, one injury, and then they had that one stretch of about yeah. five and a half minutes where they threw the ball away on five straight possessions. But you know, I thought that they really represented themselves and I'm I'm not a big fan of the moral victory but what a statement for a team that was picked you know not even to win Missouri Valley to, to win the Valley and then you know to go through four other teams to get to the final four I thought they played proud.
1: They were such an enjoyable team to be around and talking to the guys after the game I was joking with another reporter that they're a better quote than most of the pro athletes in town. I'm not not trying to be cynical or or knocking any of the athletes. There's plenty of great athletes in town that are are really interesting to talk to, but all of them were well-spoken. They had interesting things this day. I think they all had great self-awareness. They had great perspective on the entire run. They were just a really enjoyable bunch to be around. The entire university, from their media relations department to Porter Moser to the players, it was a a wild ride. But it was the turnovers that did them in. And leading up to the game, that's what we kept asking. Okay, what's the matchup? What do you guys have to do to win? All those sorts of questions. And Clayton Custer just, you multiple times, so we have to win that turnover battle. We've been careless with the ball. They were 131st in the nation in turnovers, as we've talked about, Harry, on, on Friday leading up to the game, um, and they lost the turnover battle. They were winning it at halftime, and then they lost overall 17-12, to and it was uncharacteristic. This whole tournament and their whole season, they never really shot themselves in the foot, but there was that five-minute stretch in the second half where they were just throwing the ball away, and they, 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 they lost rhythm and tempo to the game, and they normally control pace of play, and it, even if things do speed up. They find a way to, to. They found a way to slow the game down. But at five minute stretch, and then to Michigan's credit, they finally started hitting shots. Mo Wagner came in. Duncan Robinson came in off the bench. And that, that's a deep team.
0: Yeah, Duncan Robinson, who won the uh, Sixth man of uh, the uh, of the year award in the Big Ten. He started his career at Williams. That's like a D three school. <laughs> wow, There's a D three school in 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 uh, Massachusetts. Usually, if you go to Williams, like you come out of there and you're like a top flight attorney, right? You know. Right. Um, but I think uh, they're
1: twenty nine and now when he scores at least six points.
0: Twenty nine. Look and at 0. you. Yeah. Are you betting uh, the Wolverines tonight? Um, I mean, just for fun.
1: Yeah, for fun. You know, I I wouldn't be completely surprised if they do win, just because of how good their defense is. It's absolutely elite. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's expecting Villanova to win, considering the amount of talent they have. They have a potential lottery guy, Mikael. Um, what is it? What am I blinking on his name right now? I was all prepared, Mikael Bridges, the uh, the guard for Villanova, um, going to probably be a top ten pick in the mm-hmm. NBA draft. Jalen Brunson's the consensus national player of the year. But Michigan does kind of have that. Mo Wagner, man, he's a guy who just seems like everywhere you look on the court, he's there. Yeah. He does you, a little bit of everything.
0: And if you say anything bad about him, he'll kick your glasses in.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Jim Nance embarrass himself a little bit? He called a meme a meme did you hear that on the broadcast i was talking to steve cocker this morning and he he brought that up and i saw some people tweeting about it that rafterdy and cuz because i saw the slow-mo stuff of grant hill and rafterdy mm-hmm. when
0: ducking when, right. when wagner goes leaping and it was phenomenal. over it
1: jim Nat said that's going to turn into a meme and, oh, you're kidding! Uh, yeah, that's that's tough. Tough look for Jim Nance there, but uh,
0: I, I like <laughs> I like what they did with um, uh you know, uh, so uh, CBS owns TNT, TBS, True throughout the tournament. They're showing the games on all those stations. So Saturday night, uh, we watched. I was I was at my friend Spike's house, yeah, and for Seder, and uh, I want to hear all about your Seder dinner later. <laughs> um, but we watched the Loyola feed. It was so cool. You know, you could have watched the regular broadcast. Oh, right. they, they do you that could now, have right? watched the, you know, the um uh, Michigan broadcast or you could have watched the Loyola broadcast. So who was on the Loyola we're broadcast? We're cheering for uh, your your captain of the 1963 Loyola Ramblers broadcast. Your 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 star Mr. H. Just 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 I don't need to be who uh, give me the name. Do you know the one guy that was on the team that yes. was there? Harkness. Gotcha. That's right. So he was there, and we, we were watching that, and so it was like, when when you were excited, they were excited. When you were disappointed, they were disappointed. I like the way they did that. Did you stay in a, So I imagine you went and covered Loyola immediately afterwards in their locker room. Did you come back out and watch KU and uh, Nova?
1: Well, by the time we had finished post-game interviews in the locker room and then Porter Moser spoke at the podium, by the time that all kind of wrapped up, I... I hadn't seen much of the game, really any of it. I just heard cheering. And then I looked at the score. And I'm like, okay, this game's over. It was like 22-5 to 5 at some point in the first half. So I caught a little bit of it. The game was clearly over. I had to finish up some work. had a 6 a.m. flight. There was really no reason to stay. So I stayed for like with a little bit, I don't know, 15 minutes left, 10 minutes left in the second half. I, I, I got out of there. I wanted to beat the Mad Rush. They um. Uh, my hotel, though, Harry, was yes. a, like a Kansas Jayhawks
0: headquarters. Awesome.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. But then at the end of the night, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get something to eat. And when I hear these the fans start filing into the hotel, that's time to go to bed. And I saw a lot of... They were just so, like, devastated and upset. Wow. But I don't think they were too, like, pissed off because it had... They I think every, they were just deflated because they realized at halftime half, half time the game was pretty much over at that point.
0: Well, because Bill Self didn't do anything on defense. Bill Self sat there and let them break the record. They hit 18 three-pointers in yeah. the history of the Final Four. That's the most ever. In the history of the college basketball tournament, only once has a team in the tournament scored more, and that was Loyola Marymount, who scored 21 in a game. I just don't understand how if you're giving up all those three-pointers, you don't adjust your defense in some way, in some form.
1: Yeah, I saw the outcry on Twitter that, look, if a team's beating you in one dimension of the game, you got to stop that, right? I mean, if, if a big man is beating you down low all game, you, right. you take double, it away you double from him up, him. you take it away from him. I don't know how you allow that to happen, uh, particularly a, a team like Kansas, who's played well, and a coach for Bill Self. I, you know, If a team gets hot, a team gets hot, but to allow, what was it, 18 threes, which is a 18 record? 18 threes which is a record for the Final Four, Uh, that obviously can't happen.
0: No, it can't happen. So Michigan, you know, I I thought, KP, that Michigan was – could not have played worse in the first half.
1: Oh my God! When, well, the first half—I mean, I was so underwhelmed by what I saw from Michigan. And if it wasn't for Mo Wagner, he—he well, he wasn't necessarily making buckets in the first half. But of he kept—he kept, game. He but kept he was everywhere
0: single-handedly off, he kept off, them off, in the
1: game. Offensive boards, kind of being active—you know, being that annoying defensive net on on that side of the floor was crucial for Michigan. He was the only reason that that first half didn't even get out of hand for for Michigan. And then he started making shots. He,
0: you know, Michigan makes a lot of threes. They didn't make any threes in no. the first half. They, they'd never turned the ball over. You talked about how Loyola was 131st in the country. In, you know in, yeah, in 12 the turn-
1: turnovers per game, and then they yeah. ended up with 17 in the entire game. And,
0: and Michigan is the second best team at not turning the ball over, right. and they were turning it over all the time in the first half. Yep. Plus, they were picking up dumb fouls, which John Beeline teams really don't do. They don't pick up dumb fouls. I, I thought that Loyola should have been up about 18 points when that game got to the second half. It was great. They were up seven.
1: Right. It no, was I'm great with you. that
0: great that they held Michigan to 22 first half points, but man, they should have just been up so much more. Okay, so where is Loyola now? We're, we're losing a couple guys, uh, yeah. you know, key players.
1: No Dante Ingram. Right. No more Ben Richardson. So those are the two key players. But you do have Clayton Custer back for one more right. year. The
0: center is only going to be a sophomore.
1: Cam Crutwig going to be back next year. So you have a majority of the roster coming back. Clayton Custer said straight up, he's like, the expectations are higher now. No question about it. If you make the Final Four, I think that's a reasonable um, thing to throw out there. That, that they, I, I don't know if they have... Final Four, but I mean, I mean, who, who are we now to project and be like, Loyola can't make the Final Four next year after they just did it this year, but you know. Will there
0: be a buzz to like Loyola's gym when they come out for their first game? Oh, I think, oh yeah, I when, think When so. they come out for their first NBC game? I, I mean, think so, we'll- absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, this morning I'm driving in and the car in front of me had a Loyola Ramblers bumper sticker. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that guy didn't have that before this run. I, I'm not knocking the the bandwagon esque nature of 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 doing that, throwing a Loyola bumper sticker on your car after a Final Four run. My point is that there's some excitement. I mean, if somebody's going to throw a, you know, a Loyola bumper sticker on their, look, it looked to be a fairly new and expensive Lexus, Harry. Ooh. So if they're going to go all the way with so, a, with a bumper sticker, that means something, you it know. Was, it
0: was Rose car.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of one. Yeah, one one of his cars, I think. He's is,
0: does he own a Rambler?
1: Uh, oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. That
0: think would be like fitting.
1: That would be fitting.
0: All right, Kevin Powell is here. We're going to step away. Uh, for I just do a, real quick. Yeah, I
1: do like. The, I think it's cool. There are some sh- Chicago ties tonight. Charles Matthews, the oh, yeah, Saint Rita grad, Jalen Brunson, the Stevenson grad. Right, going head to head. Brunson was Mister Illinois Basketball right,
0: twenty fifteen, and
1: Matthews was the runner up. And we asked him about that, and he's like. He wanted you know, he he knew, he knows. They're keeping tabs on each other. So I think that's going to be cool. And they not necessarily going to be matched up together because they're different sort of players, but there's a cool Chicago tie in there.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was a, a young man, they, all the Chicago kids used to play at Illinois.
1: <laughs> right?
0: It doesn't happen Seriously. anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. Okay, we'll come back with Buried Headlines, and then Kevin and I will make our selections on the uh, point spread. I mean, on the game tonight. Uh, this is WGNRadio.com. This is Sports Central. <laughs> Adam Hogue has the day off. Uh, he'll be with you later today, though. The White Sox play here on WGN Radio. The White Sox north of the border. Their only trip to Canada this year to the playoffs. Uh, and that's the Sox and the Jays. Renaldo Lopez will get the uh, start tonight for the White Sox who were snowed out yesterday. Six o seven starts tonight, tomorrow and Wednesday, and then Thursday is a few tickets left for the home opener around three o'clock. Are you going to be there, Harry? He gets Detroit Tigers. Oh, if, if you can get the uh, Bridgeport police to drop the charges, I will be there. I will look <laughs> forward make a few to phone that. Calls. Make some calls. My please. sister
1: married a Southside cop last year, Harry. So I've got you know I've like I've started to get acclimated with the only Southside I knew mm-hmm. growing up. A White Sox fan was 35th and Shields, but now I'm getting exposed to the beauty oh, of yeah. Beverly and Mount Greenwood and all the oh, there's good stuff the South Side has to offer.
0: There's a lot of good stuff there on the South yeah, it's, Side it's of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so these are buried headlines. Uh, he's Kevin Powell. I'm Harry Tynowitz, And these are buried headlines. These are stuff that weren't necessarily on the front page, but you might see them somewhere else. Uh, Dateline, Rhode Island. A Rhode Island nudist camp is looking for a lifeguard. Uh, you must be, um, uh, you know, certified as a lifeguard. And the other catch is, you have to be naked. I'm looking for a side
1: gig this summer. Here, you know, a few bucks, some beer money, or something. There you go. Do you have all any right. problem?
0: You know, I, I used to think like the biggest challenge of the lifeguard was uh, how to keep all that white stuff on your nose all yeah.
1: day. SPF 50 action.
0: Mm-hmm. But now, uh, in the buff, will you lifeguard in the buff? In the buff.
1: You know what my concern about I don't even know if I should say this on the air. Uh, about like nudist anything, colony mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. beach or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed to be just casual like, oh, we're just living our lives in the nude. But like what if you got you're like, wow, she's really attractive. And then you're walking around. Right. Like that would be awkward. Like
0: and you all of a sudden you got a surfboard.
1: Because to them it's just a casual thing. Like, oh, this is not, it's not like a sexual thing. Right, we're being them. free. It's just, we're being free spirits. But then all of a sudden, like, oh, look at uh, Jim over here. He's ruining it for everybody.
0: Way to hey, go, Jim. Jim.
1: we're just trying to have a good time. This isn't some sex party. Put it away.
0: Well, unless, unless somebody asked, like, you know, hey, do you know where I could get a burger? You know, and then Jim would just, like, turn, you know, 45 degrees. Oh, that way. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. I got that. That's a good point. Uh Uh-huh.
1: But have you ever thought about that? Like a nudist, like...
0: I've never thought about it. What do you think I did? How do you think I got through high school?
1: But that's my point. But at high school, you're thinking about it as like a sexual type thing. Right. But like if you went and your buddy... Like what if you got convinced to go do one of this and you're like, okay, all right, cool. I guess I'm going to do it, whatever. And next thing, like two minutes into it, you're like,
0: look at Harry. Come on, Harry. How could you...
1: Be mature for a minute.
0: How could you not? Yeah. I mean, how, how could you, I mean, I don't mean to be like, you know, shallow, but how could you be there on the beach in a news right. camp, news colony, and not be um, yeah. somewhat aroused? All right, there's a horse that's going to run uh, in the Kentucky Derby. The way that they do the Derby preps this year, you know, like the last six, seven years, is you accumulate points through other big races. Like this weekend was the Florida Derby. Oh, okay. It's so kind of like NASCAR. It's kind of like NASCAR, only it's fun. Uh, so, <laughs> it's, <laughs> the horse that won the big race in England, tell me if you can guess who you think this horse is named for. He will be in the Kentucky Derby because he won this big race in England. The horse's name is Gronkowski. Okay. Now we're back to being naked at a nudist camp. There we go. whole circle. Mm. I'm
1: putting all my dough on Gronkowski.
0: Well, if it's full will there, circle. Will there be
1: a Gronk spike from
0: the, from the horse? Oh, at oh the, you, know yeah. you know it. You Some know it. You know it. sort of it. dance, rave party, it's gonna sp- bust out. It's going to spike the jackie. Right. It's going to get to the finish line. It's going to spike the jackie. Poor little jackie's going to be bouncing down off his head. I like
1: it. I'm Team Gronkowski. When is the Derby, uh, Kentucky Derby?
0: It's always. What country did you grow up in?
1: But just oh, it's. Uh, it's the
0: first Saturday in May. Gotcha. But only for like you know a hundred and thirty years, so I can understand why you wouldn't right. know that.
1: I mix up the, the date of Christmas and things like that as well. Well, Christmas
0: is always on. Wait, you and don't know Christmas is December twenty fifth?
1: I mix it up all the time. Is it the twenty sixth? Well, the twenty seventh? What do you mix
0: it? What What do you mix it up with? Porum. With what? Porum.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, it w- yes, is- Halloween always mixes me up. Is it December thirty? You always get the Fourth is- of July. I miss that one every year, Harry. I'm always celebrating on like the eighth.
0: It seems so strange to me. Yeah. Did you see that uh, Gabe Capward, new manager of the Phillies?
1: Yeah, he's off to a great start. A huh? Jew.
0: He singled for his relief pitcher to come in from the bullpen. Only problem was he did not have a relief pitcher warming up in the bullpen.
1: He also had Aaron Nola bat and then take him, him out. out. <laughs> Took him out.
0: So and, and, and the Braves manager got thrown out because legally you only get eight pitches coming in from the bullpen and the umpire said this guy is gonna get hurt if he doesn't get more than eight pitches and the Braves manager yelled and said that's BS, it's a rule.
1: I see both sides. If you If the umpire is covering for your ass because he's worried your starting pitcher is gonna get injured because you didn't or your relief pitcher didn't have proper amount of time to prepare, that's not a good look for Gabe Kaplan.
0: No, it's not a good look. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that there's a Jewish guy who's managing a baseball team. You know, because like they're going to say, hey, who, should we, who should we pinch hit? Who should, you know, who, who should bat now? He'd say, well, we could pinch hit him. It won't hurt. We could bring that guy in. It wouldn't hurt. You know, I mean, that's probably probably Capel really knew The guy wasn't warming up In the bullpen He's like, no, nah, no, rest Rest, don't play yourself out Take it easy uh, We gotta get out of here Did you see Jesus Christ Superstar By the way, last night I saw
1: night? the ba- the end of it And I was like, damn I kind of wish I watched The whole thing Oh, I,
0: I thought it was pretty good 9.4 million people so A 1.7 rating It's
1: all the live stuff now
0: You're gonna see more and more Of that stuff on the I would hope network. so Live, live, live I would want to see A lot more of the um, uh, You know, musicals I love musicals Do sometimes.
1: you? I don't
0: Oh, you should, dude.
1: Dude, like when they're done well, but I, I don't know. I guess I have a bad stigma because it was always—I don't know. When you're young, I was bored. And,
0: well, it just didn't work for me. Uh, the Chicago's got awesome theater. I know musicals are great.
1: Theater. I'm not knocking it, but uh, I'll, should, I'll try to get more into. into it. it, and, it Kevin. You and I will go on a date, Harry, and we'll go see if th- we see could a play do that. Together, okay?
0: Ben, you have a favorite uh, theater, favorite place to go.
1: Uh, I'm favorable to Chicago theater. My sister was part of Joseph when it was running there. So really, yeah, she was. She was in the children's choir. Once upon a time ago,
0: can you name all the colors in the amazing Technicolor dream coat? Heck no. It would be easier to name Dennis Rodman's uh, tattoos than to name all the colors in that coat. I'll agree with you there. Yeah, um, uh, but Steppenwolf is awesome. Uh, I saw Book of Mormon. uh, That's dirty. that's funny, as Yeah, that? That, was, that was a solid one. Northlight Theater's great. Remy Bumpo. Go support us Chicago play. I love play. the theaters, no question. Uh, uh, Adam Hogue will probably be here tomorrow, uh, 1 o'clock. And if not, Kevin Powell will be here. Anybody, but um, uh, if they call me, uh, then I'll be here. Otherwise, um, you guys have a wonderful day. Remember, White Sox play here. The only undefeated team in the American League. 5.30 is your pregame.
1: Uh, Andy Mazur, 5.35. Farmio and DJ, it's 6.07.
0: And uh, Kevin Powell will be in the clubhouse all year right. Players may not notice him because he'll be hiding, but he'll be in the clubhouse all I know, year.
1: I don't know what that means. Am, and, I, am I hiding in Matt Davidson's locker and then I pop out and scare him?
0: I would hide in Matt Davidson's locker. That dude is so cool.
1: How many homers tonight?
0: Uh, tonight, I think I, he had a hit to right field the other day that was huge. Rocket in that rally, right? He's going to hit forty-two for the year.
1: Couple um, ding dongs tonight, Harry.
0: I, I think tonight he's just going to get. Uh, let's not let's get carried away. I think okay. he gets. Th- I think he gets uh, three hits okay. tonight, but no I'll homers. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Ben Anderson. Ben, here's to Ben. Great job by Ben producing the show. Enjoy your national title game today. I'm taking Michigan and the point and a half KP. Nova. Oh, I'd love some on a bagel with cream cheese. Thanks for listening to Sports Central.